Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind. This is episode number 80, and I'm joined by special guest Ryan Stanley, author, speaker, coach, and serial entrepreneur. Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Josh, genuinely my pleasure. Super excited to be here. Been looking forward to it all week. Thank you so much for having me, man. Awesome. Love the energy. Looking forward to it. Ryan, can you tell the listeners or the viewers who might be tuning in on, on YouTube a little bit more about you and what you're focused on these days? Yeah, happily. And thanks thanks for the opportunity. So I am a, a certified professional coach. I have been since 2009, uh, as you mentioned, and um, I'm grateful that you did. I'm a serial entrepreneur. So obviously being on a podcast like this is is awesome to connect with, with like-minded individuals. Um, have been an entrepreneur in some capacity pretty much my whole life. Um, I well, certainly, like I said, I've been coaching since 2009, but I also have several side projects. I have an online t-shirt company. I just published, you know, my first book, which is, a, you know, an entrepreneurial endeavor in itself. Uh, I'm the second oldest of 10. I'm a father of two boys. Wow. I believe that living on purpose doesn't happen by accident. And uh, I'm super excited to do that every day so that I can not only live my best life, but also ideally inspire others to do the same. Very cool. What was it like growing up with nine siblings? You know, it was an adventure. Uh, certain <laughs> points, you know, being the second oldest, there there is quite a quite a spread, right? So my, my youngest sister is about 21. I'm in my mid 40s, and so wow. there's aspects of, of having a lot of younger kids when I was in t when I was in high school and stuff. And so um, having a nurturing type of a personality in general, I spent a, you know a lot of time with with kids with with my siblings. I was kind of the babysitter in the house, um, so it, it was cool. It was an adventure. It was a way to get close to kids and. I think in some capacity now being a coach, you know, wanting to serve others, wanting to help others be the best versions of themselves probably was planted um, as seeds when I was a younger person taking care of my, my younger siblings. So Abs a great question. Absolutely. No, it, <laughs> it, it, it definitely makes sense. And, and you it's I find it very interesting to kind of look back and try and pick at those little things that you may not think are directly related to what's going on now or business yeah. or entrepreneurship. And, and you end up, you know, sometimes being surprised. So. Ryan, did you have that kind of uh, entrepreneurial blood? You know, were, were you were you lemonade standing in your teens, or, or did that kind of start later on? Yeah, you know, my father was an entrepreneur, so I like you know sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, uh, my <laughs> entire life. Um, so he in, in a couple different endeavors, but so just knowing that was always a thing, it was always kind of an option. I think my earliest idea of being any type of an entrepreneur, I remember being five or six and wanting to design uh, dog houses and to go into the neighborhood and see if I could be like an, a, an architect for, for dog houses. Hmm. Um, I didn't get too, too far past my first drawing, but yeah. that's like my earliest memories of saying I can create something that I could sell to people in the neighborhood. I think my first like kind of solopreneur standpoint came uh, probably about 19 in like a multi-level marketing, um, direct sales type of a thing. It was me really kind of learning, starting my own business and what that was like and the daily grind and the intention and the purpose. And, that's where I first discovered Napoleon Hill and started reading Think and Grow Rich. And so that's where it kind of started. After that, I mean, it's really either been my own projects or I've, I've been deeply involved in a startup position, um, a startup company as part of, part of help there. So, yeah, I mean, really, so I just turned 45 this year. And so going on about 25 years on and off of, of entrepreneurialism in some capacity, I've always got something cooking. I really right. believe that entrepreneurialism is a form of art, right? It is mm -hmm. people, you know, you think of an artist, you think of a painter, you think of a musician, and they have they start off with a blank canvas or they, they start off with a big lump of clay right and they just have an idea and they put in time they put in effort they learn how to do it they put stuff out there that sometimes is good and sometimes is not they're constantly being judged whether by themselves or by others 
And entrepreneurs are really the same way. I mean, we really, we start off with an idea that we think will ideally serve, serve the world, I hope, right? Um, and if I can, yeah. if I can earn some income by doing that and then go on to create something else that can also serve the world, it, it, it's a win-win Absolutely. Yeah, you can certainly draw a lot of parallels. And so what was it that kind of, what was the first endeavor, we'll call it? You said around 19, you started getting into kind of the, you know, the entrepreneurial type of endeavors. And then yeah. did you did you go to college? Did you go to university? Or, or what ended up being went, your first I, job? I went to college for not for very long, for about six months. Uh, I was literally on my way to school. So first of all, again, having a father who was an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, we, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Uh, I wasn't really pushed for college. It was never like a big thing that that was important to my family from the background. Hmm. Uh, I certainly think there's there can be value. Obviously, there's value in education. Depends on and there's a lot of different ways to obtain it. Um, so I ended up going to a, a school down in South Carolina. I live. I grew up in New Jersey, and literally on my way to college, my car caught on fire and burned to the ground. Jeez. And yeah, so I didn't get. My father was living down there at the time, and I didn't get down there in time to uh, like register for my classes. So my dad ended up ending up registering me for classes and there's nothing I was particularly excited about. So I didn't have like a super exciting onboarding. It wasn't like I was going away to school and I was staying at a thing. It was more like a, hey, I'm going down to live with my dad in South Carolina. He kind of registered me for some courses. And mm-hmm. so I didn't jump into this exciting, like I can't wait to be a student for the next four years type of a scenario. Right. So um, after that, I mean, for a little bit, I like I said, I kind of worked in some, some multi-level marketing. I worked at Domino's. I had a couple like jobs while I was kind of figuring out my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for a while, I actually, my dad moved, ended up moving back up north. We both did up to New Jersey after a couple of years of trying to figure myself out. Myself out. But, um, we uh, started a daycare center. And so he oh, wow. and I had a couple daycare centers, which was an amazing um, opportunity to learn about business and to connect with people. And uh, it was, you know, it was a great cash flow, but sometimes, you know, working with so many different types of parents and so many different types of capacities that there were certainly highs and lows as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that was and kind of my earliest big kind of step into entrepreneurialism, I think. Got it. And, and what do you think were kind of the main takeaways from that experience? Uh, well, I mean, depends. <laughs> well, immediately, like, you know, of course, we go, we go to any type of baggage. Like, well, I don't know that I would be in my business with my father again, right? Right. Um, <laughs> Which depends on your relationship with your parent or family. So sometimes it can be an amazing thing to be in a business with your family. Sometimes it can be not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be a little bit of both. And there's always an opportunity for us to decide what we want to take away from any experience. Uh, for me, there was a lot of lessons in leadership, right? Because sometimes I, I was, was in a great way, forced to kind of step up and be a great leader in that role as a younger person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think my biggest takeaway was really stepping into your day and, and no matter what the scenario is or who you're working with, decide who you want to be and do something about it. Be the person you would want to work for, mm-hmm. I think, in those capacities when you're working with staff and you're working in a, in a startup business. And again, I was in my early 20s. Um, I was still partying quite a bit. I probably, you know, I did, this wasn't my life endeavor to be a, a, a daycare center owner, right? It was mm-hmm. an opportunity that kind of started uh, with my father that we, we he was looking for um, just some income and I was, had kind of decided to move in with them. We were working on together. And so we started him and he was married to his second wife at the time. And they just kind of brought in some kids like to kind of like um, get some income while they're working on some other projects. And they realized that this was working well. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of started looking into it to decide how we could build into a larger opportunity. Well, that really answers your question. Sorry, I was, I was like digging deep into the brain because I really hadn't thought about that period of my life in a, in a while. No, I've, absolutely. And it, it sounds like quite an interesting experience, especially when you are that young to be given that kind of, um, 
I mean, you wouldn't be given probably a lot of the responsibilities that you were given had you gone and got a corporate job, right? Which is why some of those like unique entrepreneurial opportunities can be really interesting. What did you, what was the next step from there? Uh, so from there, I actually, my brother uh, ended up, was, was started a company, it was like a title search company. Uh, and that sounds riveting as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but he, had this, this is right when cell phones and cell towers were exploding. I know it seems like we, we take them for granted now, but mm-hmm. at the time, anytime that there's a cell tower built, they need to do a title search on the property. So they need to search mm-hmm. the prior owners so they can be sure that nobody's going to come back and sue T-Mobile for you know, not having it or, or taking their property or utilizing it. Mm-hmm. So anytime this is done, uh, a title search needs to be done. And so they were going into their, the, the, they were doing a very long uh, version of it. They had to go into the courthouses and hire people to do the whole thing. And so my brother just, 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 just he had come from the cell, um, cell tower industry. He'd come from the, the telecom industry, he was working actually in building cell towers. And he saw that they were using these cell towers and paying all this money for these title searches. And so he developed a niche audience. And I came in and helped him with his finance Help them focus that market, help them kind of, um, I was kind of as, as number two, right? You know, that, that type of a thing. Mm-hmm. So while, I, while it wasn't my business, I had the opportunity, I had to, you know, the understanding what it was like to be the entre- entrepreneur side of it from the inside. For uh, sure. So that was cool for a while. Uh, and then after that, I started, um, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of music. I'm a huge fan of creativity. I'm a huge fan of live music in particular. So at that point, I started my own um, artist management business. Hmm. So I managed a bunch of bands. And what I loved most about that was connecting with musicians. Again, recognizing they are also entrepreneurs. A lot of people don't realize that musicians are entrepreneurs, but they Absolutely. are in the same space, creating a product that they want to sell to the masses, that they're putting themselves out there for on a regular basis in an industry that is not necessarily easy to break into. So I loved being that inspiration of light. I loved being the, the person to let them know they can set big goals. We can take chances. We, we do have to work hard, we, you know, reminding them of who they need to be every day to be as successful they wanted to. Um, but I didn't necessarily love dealing with shady club owners. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, if I was working with a band and half the members didn't want to show up to practice on time or get as many gigs as were probably necessary to, you know, to do what was next, to do what was necessary to, to build the following. Sometimes it felt more like babysitting than it was really about um, building something as a team. Right. You, you must have some stories from uh, from that experience as well. It was an adventure. Like that was the point where I was coming into my, my own. I was like, OK, if I want to do whatever I want to do, where do I want to begin? Right. Uh, so two things. One, I wanted to be in filmmaking. Two, I wanted to uh, work with musicians. So I wrote a screenplay and just started managing some bands locally hmm. and uh, learned a ton from that. I learned you know, a lot of what I really wanted to do and um, a lot of what I didn't want to do. Right. So and then in October right. 2008, um, really within a month three or four times the term coach or or a conversation on coaching came up and i was like well that's that's what i want to do that's who i am that's actually what i'm already doing at, and i feel like what I'm, I'm natural at so in 2009 i got certified as a professional coach and have been doing that like i said you know for the past 10 plus years and uh, next to parenthood it's the most fulfilling thing i've ever done i'll absolutely hmm. do it on some level for the rest of my life very cool and, and it's interesting to hear that because Especially, I mean, going through this journey myself and having talked to so many other solopreneurs, it's it's a journey to find that point, right? That that uh, whatever you want to call it, endeavor, that occupation, that business that's going to take you, uh, you know, that you're going to spend a lot of time on. Yeah. How important do you think it was that you 
just kind of went along with your dad for his business, your brother's business, the the bands. Like yeah. it sounded like you, you know, like most entrepreneurs, you tried a whole bunch of stuff, kind of went with your curiosity, and it takes some time, but then eventually it's funny how things work out and, and you tend to kind of, you know, fall into what's totally. supposed to happen in the end. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that, that's a great way to say, so it's a great question. And the, the truth is it's all supposed to happen, right? And that's it. And, and when, when we recognize that life is happening for us right now and we step into our today, that there is gravity, there's oxygen, there's sunlight just so that we can exist today. Mm-hmm. And if you're passionate around being an entrepreneur, you're passionate around creating something, um, you know, Every day when we, when we realize that's happening for us, we don't get caught up with, I'm not as successful as I want to be yet. We get caught up, I'm not where I'm supposed to be or whatever, all these different things. That's actually literally putting energy towards what you don't want, mm-hmm. like putting thoughts and putting intentions towards what we don't want. And so, of course, I didn't recognize all this in my 20s, right? This is something mm-hmm. that took some time. So that's why, you know, it's a great question to look back on it and say, you know, there was a hindsight is 2020 and the whole thing. Um, but it really is so true. And especially when we start to be from that place of abundance, okay, say, listen, I'm sp- exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I recognize that I am literally who I'm supposed to be based on every single second of life that I lived up until this moment, it gives you more freedom to recognize who you want to be is still an option always, right? It's never too late. Right. It's always about just, just stepping in today to the best ability. Yeah, that, that's a great way of putting it. So Ryan, you hear the term a few times, you look into it a little bit more. What were some of the first few steps you took when you said, you know what, I, I want to give this thing a try? Yeah, so I really just did some research. I spent, you know, so that was October. So November, December, I kind of spent those two months doing some research, looking around at different coach training programs. Uh, and so then February, I enrolled in IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. And if any of you are familiar with coaching training out there, you know, they're depending on who you ask, the best coach training program in the world. Um, and so I was there. I actually, not only that was I coached and, and certified through them, but they actually, a couple of weeks after me working, I'm sorry, after me um, enrolling in the program, they actually asked me to come work for them. Hmm. So I came in and helped them from a marketing standpoint as I was building my own coaching practice as well. I, this was, again, 2009. It feels like a weird world to imagine there was no, a ton of social media out there, but social media was still kind of a new thing. Mm-hmm. And being that I had come from a musical background where MySpace was really created so that musicians could, you know, connect with their fans, right? That's where it all kind of began. Um, I'd been doing social media for a while. So I initially kind of started mm-hmm. social media, um, but then moved into an admissions coach role where I was able to help others enroll, you know, have conversations with people who are interested in becoming a coach themselves, but then also became their first ever internal coach. So mm-hmm. I coached all their staff from entry level up to the CEO, just on not only personal, I'm sorry, not only professional things, like how do they want to get along and how do they want to move forward and how can they be more efficient, but also what type of human being do they want to be all the time? Right. So, it was, so I, don't know, I didn't really answer your question. Sorry, I was distracted um, by the path as I'm thinking of it out loud. But <laughs> first step I took was find a program that was right for me, right? And, and right. that seemed to have something that would lead me on the path that I wanted to be on. And then from right. there, as I'm going through this training and you're learning to help others recognize their fears and their blocks and their limiting beliefs, you start recognizing a lot of the same things in yourself. So you start coaching yourself and start stepping into your own greatness. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Ryan, let me ask you this. I mean, it, it's funny because you decided you wanted to be a coach. You went and you took a program to, you know, learn how to be the best coach you could possibly be. How was it that you figured out everything up until then, right? Because you worked in a nursery company, uh, you worked uh, with a cell phone tower company uh, with bands. Yeah. Were you learning 
on the job for all of those? Were you reading? Were you taking courses? Did you have a mentor or, or was it all on the fly? Yeah, for me, and this is, again, maybe that for better, for worse, uh, it was definitely all on the fly. Like, I am <laughs> right. not an awesome reader. I am not, um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more like a, hey, what's going on today? Who do we want to be today? How can I learn from the, the current situation? How can I step into the moment and decide how I can be the best version of myself in it? See what I like about it. How can I support others in it? Mm-hmm. I, I think, and that's the cool thing about being an entrepreneur is that you get to decide what you want to be and, and how you want to be and who you want to be. Uh, yeah, so and, and, and the other part too is, I mean, you can read a million books. Right. At the end of the day, the day's going to start and you still, like you said, you have your blank canvas called business in front of you. You still got to fill it somehow, right? No book is going to tell you how to run your day every day, how to run your business. Absolutely. And even if they do, it's going to, each day is going to be a little bit different. And every, you know, obviously every person's life is different. Every unique experience, every person's experience in any different types of businesses is unique as well. So really, I think that the early lesson I learned was that nobody's going to do this for me. It's my opportunity to, to, you know, step into it today and do it myself. Yeah, I think that's so huge. I think that's probably the first harsh lesson I learned when I started my first business was you realize, holy crap, if nobody, if nobody, you know, if I'm not doing marketing and sales, there's no marketing and sales getting done. It it hits you pretty hard. It's a a good wake up call for sure. Um, So Ryan, you finished the course. And I'm really interested in, in how you got your kind of coaching career started because I know how popular coaching has become in the last few years. And, and there's no doubt that there's a few of our listeners that might be thinking about getting into coaching right now. Sure. Um, so would love to hear a little bit more. Like you graduate from the program. What did those first like three to six months look like? How did you get those? I know you ended up getting that job through the company and, and probably sure. got a few clients from there. What about outside of that company? What, what did it look like? How did you end up getting those first few clients? And what would you recommend to others who are starting as well? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, I, in fact, I was ready to start having paying clients like ASAP. Like when I enrolled in the program, I was ready for a shift. I was kind of making this, it was like, I was putting my flag in the ground, right? Okay, it's 2009. Uh, this is it, this is the year I'm gonna start my coaching business. And so I actually got my first paying client about two weeks after my first weekend of training. The training hmm. itself was about seven months long, seven to eight months long made oh, up wow. of, you know, um, you know, 10 hours a week worth of work, but also then three 30 hour weekends. And so there, there's a lot to it. Um, but I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I knew I had a background in, in, in working with people. And so I literally came home for my first weekend and I just, I sent an email to everybody I knew. And while Facebook wasn't as, as it is today, mm-hmm. uh, I'll just say I was able to quickly form, create a Facebook page, right? Put my profile and say that here's my coaching page. I'm a coach now. And uh, I got, like I said, yeah, I got my first, my first client within two weeks and I probably had five or six by the time I graduated the program. Mm. So stepping into it, knowing, I mean, from a coaching standpoint, I mean, coaching is not saying, Hey, I've had a perfect life. And if you do everything I've done, you're going to have a perfect life. Mm -hmm. Coaching is really recognizing that the clients have the answers. They're just blocked by their fears and they're blocked by their limiting beliefs and they're blocked by their past experiences. And so I love that I could show up and say, hey, listen, we all have these challenges. And I've just been recently been trained in ways to kind of help you look at things from a different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking from the very beginning before I really even had a big marketing push or anything. And I was able to say, listen, let's spend some time together. I, I just would give out complimentary sessions as often as possible. Um, I, there are certainly different ways to do that, to, to, to build up your, your clientele. But for me, it was more like just show people that they have the answers within, that they can live more on purpose than they are and be a part of that process. And when you're living to serve, 
uh, and you show up without an agenda except for the one of your prospect, it, you know, people tend to have buy-in and tend to say, okay, that you know, this is something that I can do and, and be a part of. Absolutely. And when you started, did you have a specific target market you were going after? And, and, and do you recommend that others do the same? Or should it be a wide net, a lot of free sessions? What yeah. worked for you? Again, it's going to be different for everybody, right? And different, there's going to be a lot of different opinions on this. For me, I mean, I specifically for the first five years still worked with musicians and people mm. in the music industry. So I was able to get rid of all the things with the shady club owners. And I didn't have to be at the New York City until three o'clock in the morning. And I didn't if I didn't love the music, but like the people, I didn't have to worry about selling something I didn't like. Like I was able to get rid of all that, but still connect with people, empower people, help these musicians to be on purpose and live their best lives and you know, be successful in their careers. And so I did that for a while. And then once I became the internal coach for, the, 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 uh, for IPEC, I recognized my ability to really work with a larger audience, right? And to work with it, you know, as when you're working with the CEO and you're working in the, the different areas. And so I then went on to coach doctors and to coach authors and to coach other people in marketing and just all, all um, areas of life. I really want to work with people who know that they have more potential, that, that are, are tired of, you know, being uh, a victim of their past, you know, people who are ready to kind of step in their greatness and are willing to um, be guided, but also do the work necessary. Right. So I, so to answer your question, I, I honestly believe it makes sense to have a niche. And right now I'm kind of um, in between because I'm working on a couple other projects as well. You know, with the book itself is kind of its own niche. Well, it's just for, it is for everybody, the book that I just recently wrote. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a sales training organization for solopreneurs. And so that's, you know, kind of its own niche. So there's aspects of different things that I do that I think a niche is important. Um, and I think especially when starting off, people are afraid of the niche because they, they're, they're, they're at a place of lack, right? They're feeling, oh my gosh, I don't have any clients and I don't want to scare anybody away. And I don't want, I'm fearful that I'm going to lose them if I say I'm only in one area. Mm -hmm. But there's two things to that. One is if you choose a niche, you know, you're going to speak to people that you know something about that you're connected to. And typically you have a passion about. So you, I don't want to say that you'd be less authentic, but you certainly come across as as authentic as you are because it's a, an area that you're passionate about. The other piece to that is even when I was working solely with musicians, I might meet somebody at a party. I might meet somebody in a social situation or even just be referred to somebody by a friend who wasn't necessarily a musician. But after having a conversation and kind of letting them know what I did or even wasn't that I let them know is what I did is a lot of once you get kind of get trained, your, your conversations tend to, to lean towards coaching one way or another, because a coaching conversation, again, is really just a back and forth of curiosity and reflection. Um, but sometimes people haven't had that type of a conversation before. And so when you start to have those types of conversations with someone for the first time, they're like, you know, well, you know, what do you do mm -hmm. <laughs> for a living? It's like, oh, I'm a coach. Oh, that makes sense. And if I had room in my roster, even if they weren't a musician, we would, I would certainly you know, work with them if they were interested. So Absolutely. by choosing in that you don't have to block everybody else out, but it does help you appear more. Um, people can focus. If people find you one way or another, they know exactly what you do. And they're, they're, if, if they're your people, they're going to reach out to you. For sure. What do you think, Ryan, are a couple of the of your characteristics that make you such a good coach? And, and do you think people should have certain, you know, particular strengths if they're considering getting into it? Yeah, you know, um, yes and no, meaning there's probably some strengths that I wouldn't think of. So, again, going back to the everybody's on such a unique journey, there are extremely introverted coaches out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so people wouldn't think that 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 could possibly be a good thing. But. If you're an introverted coach and you work with introverted clients, it can be a great thing because you have a different level of empathy and understanding, right? Mm -hmm. So I say that right off the bat as people just assume to be a great coach, you have to be a public speaker and gregarious and ready to just like, you know, put yourself out there in this great, like loud, let me change your life, show up and do this thing. 
Um, and that works for some people, but that's not what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. So I kind of answered this the second part twice. I don't know if there's specific things that's going to work for everybody. I think be authentically yourself. But then what I can say that will work for any, I think any good coach, obviously listening is important, right? You need to be a really good listener. Uh, you have to be genuinely curious and be willing to listen to others and be curious about their lives. And, that, and which really brings me to the most important thing when people ask me what makes a great coach, I think it's, the, it's truly the ability to hold the client's agenda at all times. Hmm. So often, especially as people have worked um, in self-development and personal growth, and they've been on this journey and they, they've kind of been through their own pitfalls. And that's why they want to become a coach because they want to serve others and be the person they wish they had had in their life when they were younger. Then they get in these coaching conversations and they want to rescue everybody. They want to jump in and say, well, this is what you should do. And I know because I did it this way and this is how I was hurt. And then I went up and like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody says it that way, but that's kind of the energy behind it often. And if you instead just like, because a lot of the time your client doesn't need to be rescued. In fact, the opposite. They need to almost go through it, but they just need to be need to be able to look at it from a detached perspective, what they're actually going through and what mm-hmm. the lessons actually are. And so as a coach to truly hold your client's agenda at all times and always be that clear that they know what their agenda is, right? Make sure there's clarity on what the agenda is. And then also be sure that I know what it is because by if you're clear, then I can be on it. Mm-hmm. And then we're always moving towards that as opposed to, and I'll just quickly say, you know, family and friends, they love us, but sometimes they have their own agenda. Right. And that might even be that they love us, right? Especially from an entrepreneurial standpoint. If you have a friend who's never been an entrepreneur and their parents told them to go to college and get a job and then that's that's what you do until you retire and you're saying, hey, I'm starting this whole thing uh, and I want to start a business. I know it doesn't really pay right now, but I, I feel like I can work hard at it. Your friend who loves you is going to, they're not even going to listen to your agenda. They're going to tell you, no, don't do that. You're going to get hurt. It's going to be dangerous. You're going to lose money and give you all the reasons why it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the coach would necessarily come and say, listen, uh, you know, quit everything and go be homeless and, and, you know, whatever, and say the opposite to the extreme, but they will, if they're, if they're doing their job appropriately, they will help you look at all angles and ask you the right questions to really help you consider what is the best first next steps for me as I move forward into this journey and how, how much is of this is who I want to be and, and get you again, past fears, what your mom is going to think and fears, what your friends are going to think, because that's really not what's important. What's important is you living your best life and living a life that you're in the end would look back on and be grateful that you, you, you did. Hey guys, quick 30 second interruption to say we started a solopreneur grind email list every Monday to Friday. If you want a quick, short email right to your inbox with a motivational quote, just to get you through the grind, it can be tough in business. It can be lonely. It can be difficult. Quick quote from a previous podcast to get you through the week. Solopreneurgrind.com slash join. If you're interested to sign up, solopreneurgrind.com slash join. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Absolutely. I mean, ton of lessons from that one answer so so that was yeah. a, that was a really good one and and kind of the some of my key takeaways are being a really good listener and asking really good questions i think cool. that's what a lot of that can boil down to i, I remember i i worked with a, a business coach for quite some time and as you've alluded to a few times in this chat now the things he did really well were asked really good questions he was clearly listening to me asking really good questions and almost allowing me to come to my own conclusions as if I was kind of guiding myself, right? It's, it's almost Always. like, like you said, like stepping out, stepping back, you know, almost outside of your body, looking down upon you objectively and being like, yeah. okay, what, you know, what, what do I need to do next? That's best for me, best for my business, um, totally. et cetera, et cetera. And really I, I kind of use that for the podcast as well. Like a, a lot of people ask, 
what do I need to do to prepare? What are the questions you ask? I know my first question and I know my last question and everything right. else in between, I just listen and, oh, what what's curious? Reflect. What am I interested in? What, what do I want to hear more about? Um, I think, what are your thoughts on the fact that listening is probably extremely underrated and underutilized today's day and age, right? Everybody's so social media quick at this, you know, running, 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 quick, quick, quick. And, and I think what we've lost or some people have lost is the ability to calm down and just listen. Don't even worry about what you're going to say or, or yeah. ask next. Totally. Does, does that come up at all as well with, uh, in, in your line? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, be here now as often as possible. Uh, in fact, one of the biggest, uh, I've spoken about this a lot this year, um, things to start considering in this place. And it's, it's the difference between curiosity and judgment and the power of the difference between the two. Because being here now and being present, when, when you're suddenly thinking of all the things that you need to say, you're typically um, judging the situation as something that needs to be spoken for, right? And you, you, you're, sometimes you're worried about what someone else thinks about you. You're worried about how you're going to come across. You're, worried, you're, you're giving yourself all sorts of self-judgment. Mm-hmm. But when you let go of that and instead get strictly into curiosity, like I'm really curious what the person across from me is saying, why they are the way they are, why that this point is coming up for them, how they got to be this way, you are genuinely there with them in the moment, as opposed to thinking about what you're going to say next. Absolutely. Um, and so just in general, and then, and even from our own self-judgment space, when we get to a place where we're saying, oh, I should be farther along in my career. I should uh, have lost more weight by now. I should be in a better relationship by now. I should be whatever these different things we're saying I should be. That's typically based on the fear of what someone else somewhere else thinks, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and the grand scheme of things, when we instead get into curiosity and we say, I could be, I could lose more weight. I could be further along in my career. You say, oh, okay. So instead of I should, it feels so heavy, but I could opens up possibility. Cool. So if I could, what would that look like? Right. What Mm -hmm. can I do to do that? Um, So when we go to the space of really being more curious with someone in front of us or even ourselves, it opens up life to the now and, and to more curiosity. And then we're able to, I think, step into our greatness and our truths more, more easily. Absolutely. Ryan, what would you say to someone who, might have recently started their own career or, or pathway into coaching and are struggling to get their business off the ground? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is you may want to hire a coach if you haven't already. I know it sounds mm-hmm. silly or obvious, but the best coaches have coaches or have spent a lot of time surrounding themselves with coaches, right? If, mm-hmm. you go to those, if you're not interested in hiring one right now, just be sure who are the people that you're surrounding yourself most with. Well, and, right? and it makes sense. I mean, I've had a coach on, on before on the Solopreneur Grind podcast and what he was saying, which I totally bought into, was how could you sell coaching services if you yourself don't use coaching services? Right. Right. It, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it's like being a baker and not eating your own pastries ever. Right. right. Type thing. Yeah. No, I agree 100 percent. And even to have somebody outside you to ask you questions that you wouldn't have asked yourself. Right. Because you're caught up in your own story and in your own dialogue and your own past. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is. is first thing, right? Consider hiring a coach or just getting clear on the people that you're surrounding yourself with. Second thing is, I would say, create gratitude for the outcome that you want instead of fear for the outcome that you don't have. I know it sounds obvious when I say it that way, but not enough people in any business spend enough time creating gratitude for what they want, right? Mm. Because when it comes to living, whether it be as a solopreneur or just as a human being, we get so caught up in thinking that I have to work, work, work in some capacity, right? To get to a point where I'm satisfied and then I'll be happy and then then I will eventually feel good. 
and physically that's really all i want i really just want to feel good and enjoy life so let me get uh, let me get into this hustle where i have to work hard and do all this stuff which i think by the way i'm not saying don't work hard i'm a hard worker <laughs> touch the speak of that in a second but from a, an emotional standpoint and a physio- physical standpoint this way of feeling and being when you feel like it's not enough i'm not far enough i haven't done good enough i'm not going to get there I'm, I'm farther than as opposed to so there you are you're chasing the feeling of being good and you think the only way you're going to do that is by working too hard or being stressed about it until it happens as opposed to when you start to create gratitude for the outcome and you genuinely and intentionally create those feelings of how it would feel before you even get there you're no longer chasing it right so now you're mm-hmm. you, now you have the thing that you really want in the end anyway and then you can enjoy the process of the hustle mm-hmm. and you can enjoy the process of the creativity and you recognize that in any moment I can create joy I can create patience I can create presence in my life and if I decide to spend time to build those muscles up to where I can enjoy the now whenever I want to and build a business because that's what in my heart, that's the song of my soul. And that's who I want to be not only for myself, but for others. Like that's when it all starts to come to play and, and work together. So mm-hmm. be very intentional about your thoughts. Um, create gratitude as often as possible. I would say those are, those are what's coming to mind as I'm kind of riffing here. <laughs> yeah, no, those, those are some those are some great pieces, Ryan. I, I want to focus for a few minutes on, especially coaching as you've kind of evolved into a professional coach, right? Yeah. Very, very good, successful coach, whatever adjective you want to use. What do you find are some of the major or recurring problems that you see a lot of people going through these days? Yeah. That's a great question. In fact, especially in 2020, right? It's, it's such a unique oh, year yeah. to, be, to, to be alive. Absolutely. Um, and that's actually why I wrote my book. And so real quick, if it, and I'm, this isn't just a plug as much as it is an answer. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I, as we touched on earlier, it was a great question. Like, did you do a lot of reading? Did you do, and I am not a reader, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what can I do today? How can I be present with you and figure out what we're supposed to be doing? And sometimes that works for me. Sometimes it doesn't work for me as much as I'd like it to. Um, but that being said, I recognize these consistent themes in myself, in my friends, but really to your point with my clients, what I was coaching them on around. Mm-hmm. And that was this inability to be satisfied in life, right? And, the, and all the things they felt like were outside of them. And again, we touched on it, but this feeling of uh, judgment, right? Spending so much time judging yourselves and even judging others, like building up this thing, like um, judging somebody is better than you, right? If you're judging others as, as better than you, you're in some capacity putting yourself down. And so I recognized there were these things of, of patience. People were typically, I want to be someplace I'm not now. And so then they spend all this time being impatient and that doesn't help them get to where they want to be. In fact, it really just ruins their ability to get there in a more efficient manner. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I, was, I recognized this um, presence was the second one, right? So people were, um, they, they couldn't be here now in order to make educated decisions. They're still either caught up in, I'm not where I'm supposed to be in the future or what I said two weeks ago or what, what you know, happened to me six months ago or 10 years ago. This is the reason that I am the way I am or what someone somewhere else thinks about me right now, like that they couldn't be present. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not patient and you're not present, it because your brain gets a little bit crazy. It becomes difficult to be joyful and to enjoy the experience of life. And so I wanted a book and, and again, not being a reader, I want in, in those moments, I wanted something where if I'm having a tough day, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling anxiety. I want something that I could pick up and read in 25, 30 minutes. Hmm. Um, and so that's what I want as an entrepreneur, as somebody who always loves to creating. I was like, no, so that feels like something that I could enjoy making and I feel like would really serve a lot of people. And so awesome. the name of my book, it's called um, Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful. 
with a subtitle of a first aid kit for the emotional bumps, scrapes, and bruises of life. And so that's literally what it is. It is a first aid kit. And mm -hmm. so either A, you could read straight through it in 30 minutes and have some tangible steps that you can actually use every single day of your life to, to be more of who you want to be in the moment. But then secondly, if you're having a tough day, if you're having a tough moment, if you're, if you're caught in traffic, um, you know, you can open it up to any page and find something on the page literally highlighted that will serve you. It, mm -hmm. it was physically made that way to be a first aid kit. So to answer your question, it was like this um, understanding that I, I think the biggest challenge, and I'll, I'm dialing back now as I'm thinking out loud, is that people do believe that life is happening to them. And whether they're an entrepreneur or not, they, they spend their entire life preparing for the best case, I'm sorry, preparing for the worst case scenario mm -hmm. based on their past. And they think, well, this happened 10 years ago, or this happened to somebody else or this. So they're preparing for the worst, as opposed to stepping into this idea that life is happening for me every single day. So if that's the case, if there is sunlight, there is oxygen, there is gravity so that I can exist today, who do I want to be? And how can I make it the best possible day? How can I make it something that is moving towards that feeling of gratitude, that feeling of joy, compassion? Um, and when they when they start to do that, they start to realize that life is a gift. And then when, once you start feeling gratitude for that, you start to see more things to be grateful for, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, and quickly, the other point is, or that I'll just kind of say, which also attaches to the book, but is aligned with everything we're talking about here. So again, it's a short book. In fact, for, for those watching, I can, it, it's literally something you can carry in your pocket, it, it's this big, the size of your hand. Um, but the prologue, so there's a prologue, there's three chapters, be patient, be present, be joyful, and then an epilogue. And the prologue really is you know, the overarching theme of the book. And that is that we are all creators. And a lot of people don't really make the time to think about that or realize that. And I say that in the sense that we are always and in always creating something. Literally right now, you and I are creating two men recording an awesome podcast, right? If you wake up in the morning and you decide to put on blue pants, blue shirt, blue hat, blue socks, everything, you're literally creating a person dressed in blue. If you put peanut butter on one piece of bread and jelly on the other, you are creating peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I know this stuff sounds obvious, but mm -hmm. follow me here because we also create conversation. We create art. We create music. We create business. We create laughter. You know, we unfortunately, in a, in a year like 2020, we, we may create anxiety. We mm -hmm. may create overwhelm. We, we may create anger or frustration. And it's not to say that these things are not valid and that, 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 that anybody's experience wouldn't, obviously being human, it's part of the human experience to have these different emotions in these scenarios. But it's also important to recognize that we are also creating them. They do come from within. Meaning there are two people can be literally in the exact same scenario and create two completely different emotional outcomes based on that scenario, right? Right. But when we start to recognize that we're always creating something, it gives us the opportunity to, to decide who do I want to create in this moment? And it gives us the opportunity to take responsibility for our behavior and our emotions and our reactions. And we go from reacting to responding. And when we start to respond with intention and purpose based on who we prefer to be instead of who we were or what somebody else thinks we should be, that's when living on purpose actually starts to take hold. Um, right. We can create the life we want. Yeah, it, 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 that's great stuff, Ryan. And, and what I've been thinking about a little bit more, probably in the last year or so, is, which is totally related to what you just said, kind of how are you expressing your energy right or how are you using your energy what are you what are you focusing on what are you acting on what are you thinking on and, and the more positive that is and the more action you're taking you're, you're just I'm not a spiritual person but yeah. I truly feel like the more thinking the more working the more output you're put you're doing that's positive around something 
the more you're going to attract that type of energy and things are going to start, you know, falling into place or, you know, oh, that lucky bounce you get, you know, all of a sudden you're getting all these lucky bounces, right? Is that along the same line? No, 100%. And and really when it comes down to it, spiritual or not, and I I love that you brought that up because technically it's science. When you think about it, when you have a thought, there are brain waves. We don't see them, but every single time you have a thought, there's different types of waves. There's alpha waves, there's beta waves, there's theta Mm -hmm. waves. Our brain, like there's stuff that you can measure that's coming out of your brain all the time. And so if that's the case, like when a radio has a, a thing that goes out, a signal can pick it up somewhere, right? It's mm-hmm. on a wavelength of some something. Microwaves, we don't see them, but they're there. They, they will cook food, right? So our brains are thinking things all the time. And if you are in the habit of thinking about stressful things or frustrating things or your past that was upsetting to you, like that's what you're going to see more of on a regular basis because you are putting out this literal physical wave of energy, to your point, that right. is going out there and will have an effect on other physical waves of energy and, and will align with them and bring them into your life from a matter standpoint. Mm-hmm. When it gets down to like a quantum physics level, your thoughts li- literally do have an effect on matter, uh, how much time and effort you want to put into that and, and add elevated emotions that will um, increase the, the, the power of your thoughts, I think, could, could, will then, to your point, have lucky things happen to you. But the other piece to that is then once you build the opposite, the habit of creating joy and gratitude, literally life will literally give you more things to be grateful for. And when you start doing that and feeling that, that's when you said it's a couple bumps in a row. You're like, okay, I am on purpose. I am grateful. I'm enjoying the experience of life. And therefore life is giving me more things to enjoy the experience of. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like this weird thing that seems almost obvious, but uh, then unfortunately, most of us are programmed to feel like life is happening to us. So we don't make the time to do that. Instead we say, well, this is happening, that is going on, this could happen. Um, Basically going back to like the saber-toothed tiger, right? The the old days of of cavemen, don't go outside, don't go out of your comfort zone. There's a a saber-toothed tiger out there. Mm -hmm. And now there's not saber-toothed tigers out there. There's our mind telling us, right? Right. Nine and a half times out of 10 in today's day, in you know, first world countries, right? Unless you're physically in danger, fear is a liar. And it's really just keeping you in in this safe comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But so many of my clients, to go back to your question, you know, I can ask them, if you honestly didn't care what anyone else, anywhere else thought of you, if you literally, that was just your way of being, how would your life be different? And it's always like, oh my gosh, I'd be so free. I'd be so, I'd do whatever I want. And this would be me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how can you step into that today, even just a little bit? Right. Because in the grand scheme of things, what someone else thinks of us is none of our business and literally has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with every single second of their life up until the moment when they had that thought about us. And so right. for us to waste time and waste that physical energy, right? So now we're having these thoughts. You could have this physical energy, which you're intentionally or subconsciously putting towards, oh, this person doesn't like me, or this person thinks this about me, or I'm not going to be good at business, or I'm scared, or again, all valid. But if you are physically doing that and you realize I'm creating these thoughts and I have the same opportunity to create thoughts that instead say, I can be whomever I want to. I can do whatever I want today in the sense of, what do I want to think about? What do I want to take action towards? What type of people do I want to surround myself with? What type of information do I want to let into my brain? Right? And when I, when I talk about the type of people you want to surround yourself with, it's not just your friends and family. It's also what, you know, what types of shows are you watching? What type of education? What type of, how are you spending your spare time? Are you watching, you know, 17 episodes, 17 seasons of some show that is not really serving your purpose in any capacity whatsoever? Or could you spend just as much time on YouTube, surrounding yourself with people who have education that will serve your purpose in some capacity. Right. 
Absolutely. Yep, really good stuff there, Ryan. So I, I do want to touch on one last topic here, which yeah. is as per many of the guests I have on this show that are entrepreneurial like yourself, and you've alluded to it a few times, multiple things on the go, right? You said multiple projects, this, that, and the other, busy days, hectic schedules. How do you manage it or, or how do you even approach kind of managing it and, and staying productive and staying efficient? Well, so the truth is I'm not always as efficient as I'd like to be. So <laughs> yeah. that's always an opportunity for growth, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, and all of this is an opportunity for growth, by no means am I like perfect. Oh, don't worry, I've got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. But I can say a couple things. One is I don't spend a lot of time worrying about how I'm not managing it, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. right? So I, I, kind of what we were just touching on, like I'm spending exactly. more time focused on who I want to be than who I don't want to be. Secondly, I mean, I do have a morning routine that I think really sets me up for success, right? I wake up in the morning, I will meditate for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour plus. Wow, um, every morning? Every morning, yeah, to start my day because this way I'm starting my day focused and calm and I'm wow. not waking up thinking about all the things that I don't like or what's gonna happen or what am I late for, what didn't I do yesterday? What? Instead, I'm putting my place, my, myself in a space of, of peace and intention. What, what time is that, Monday to Friday? Uh, so it's funny. So I'm definitely a creature of uh, seasons, mm -hmm. meaning as it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter, like for, so from January through June, I will wake up early and early and I'll, I'll get up every morning at like 530 hmm. and I'll start getting it done. And then I can, and without an alarm clock, just my body does it. Like all of a sudden I'm like, I'm up and I can't sleep anyway. So I'm like, I might as well be doing something that is, is helping my day today, right? Instead of just lying here in bed thinking about anything, mm -hmm. I could be go, I could come down to my office and sit in my meditation chair and think about something intentionally that will serve my life. Mm -hmm. Or nothing, so nothing serves my life, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but then like after June 21st, it's guaranteed, like I just slowly but surely just kind of sleeping a little bit later, a little bit later, a little bit later. So like now I'll get up around seven, 7.30, you know I mean? It's just like the way my, my body and brain works. So it varies. Right now, I'm kind of in a space where it's it's closer at seven seven thirty. We did just have kids go back to school, which throws mm -hmm. my whole life in a in a different uh, what's the schedule. Right. So trying to figure that out. So this is a crazy week to ask me that question. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know. So so, so wake up meditation. Let, let's That's assume definitely. let's assume kids aren't in the picture for the purposes of the of the routine. Totally, yeah. Although I'm sure they um, take up a good chunk of it. <laughs> no, they do. And but my wife works in the school district, so she was home all summer, right? So she's able to take them when I do this stuff as well. But awesome. Now, but anyway, so yeah, wake up, meditate. Uh, then I exercise. I'm either going to do like a T25, like an exercise thing, or I'll go for a jog, right? Whatever mm -hmm. kind of how I'm feeling. I, again, the winter I did kind of more of the T25 stuff. Summertime I kind of just do more of the jog because it's getting outside, it's in nature. Mm -hmm. um, then I stretch. And then I do what I call my I am statements, where I literally will stand. It's kind of like standing meditation. I stand in front of a vision board that I have and I think about who I want to be and I say it out loud. It's probably about 10 or 15 minutes long. I have it memorized. Wow. And as I'm, I'm imagining myself in this space, like, you know, how much money I want to earn, where I want to live, the different projects that I have, the, their levels of success. And I'm thinking about them. I'm creating gratitude for them. And I'm, I'm programming and reminding my subconscious of who I want to be to start my day. Right. So now I've started off spiritually in a meditative state physically from an exercise standpoint. Uh, now mentally, I'm guiding my thoughts, I'm guiding my subconscious to a direction that serves my purpose, my North Star for the day. And then after that, I sit down and I write in my journal and I have like a like a daily hmm. journal. Uh, I use a, a, a journal called the Self Journal by a company called Best Self Company. Certainly highly recommend it. I've been using it for a couple of years. It's a 13 week journal, but 
I'll, I'll write down a list of what am I supposed to do today? What is my not, what is my 6 a.m.? And at that point, I've already done it, but I'll write down meditate. I'll write down exercise, you know, so I know what my days look like. And then all the way up to the end of the day. So I have a good idea what my day is supposed to look like, right? <laughs> and along that, any notes or ideas that come up. But then there's a, there's a spot for gratitude. And I write down what are three things I'm grateful for to start my day. Um, and so now here I am, I'm, again, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, I'm, put, I'm waking up and stepping into my day intentionally and on purpose. Mm-hmm. And then I'm creating gratitude again. So I'm not coming from a place of lack, but a place of abundance and, and comfort. Um, then there's a spot for my goals. What are my goals for the day? And in the goal space, for me, it's not tasks. It's not send 16 emails. It's not reply to that guy. It's not get on this podcast. It's not whatever. It's who do I want to be? Like literally, what, what, is, what is a way of being that? So it might be be joyfully productive. It might say, um, be inspiring and inspired. It might say, shower my love with my, shower my family with love. It might be, you know, be intentional in everything I do. Well, like, so I'm just reminding myself, who do I want to be today, right? Mm-hmm. And then under that, it's like um, tasks for the day. So then, then it's like, okay, there's three things that at least I definitely want to get done at the minimum, and I write those down. So again, to, your, to answer your question, it's really about intentionally setting up my day as often as possible. And it's not that every single thing that's ever on those lists gets completed every single day. Sometimes being a, an ADD entrepreneur, there's <laughs> it's a pretty big list of different things. Mm-hmm. But having this compass, having this intention, having like setting myself up to a space where I know what I want to do to begin with and reminding myself of that every day certainly makes a difference. And then when opportunities come up or stresses or overwhelm or things kind of go a different way than I anticipated, I can go back to being joyfully productive. I can go back to what do I want to accomplish? What am I grateful for? I'm, I've already kind of placed this, this this way of being in my mind for the day. Right. Um, and then yeah. quickly, I'll just add to that. Just at the end of the day, there's, I do the same thing. I do my IMs again uh, right before I go to bed. And then I will also do um, wins for the day, opportunities for growth for the day, and then gratitude for the day. Right. So right. right before I go to bed, I'm programming my subconscious to, again, as I go into sleep and I go into like these theta bane waves where my subconscious is, is, is activated so deeply, I want to put stuff in it right before I go to bed that will serve it. Right. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. And you can just tell from listening to it that starting your day that way or anything even remotely close to that way, you've yeah. got to think you're setting yourself up for success, especially compared to someone who rolls out of bed at 845, flips on the coffee and... Turns Turn, the computer turn, on, right? Or yeah, or even turns on the news and just hears crap and, and all yeah. the terrible things that are going on. And this is terrible. And they check their emails and they haven't given any time to decide who they want to be. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. the life is happening to me. I better I better get ready. Here it comes. Okay. Emails. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I'm going to need a, a, a ton of coffee today. Mm-hmm. Is this negative, sarcastic. Oh, I got to have coffee to get into my day. What's going on in the news? What did this, what did the other side of the, of the aisle do now? Let me hear about that for a while. <laughs> Yeah. And right, and you think, oh, I got to do it. And that's how so many people start their day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the point is there's a choice that doesn't have to be that way, even if you feel like it does. Like try, try it a different way. And, and my routine isn't going to be a routine for everybody, obviously. Mm-hmm. And my routine was developed over different times. And, and like I said, even just depending on the season, it might change a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if I, you know, you and I connect and hope again, we do again in the future, it might be different at that point. But the one thing I think that is consistent is that it's intentional and it's purposeful mm-hmm. and it is done with the intention of creating an outcome that serves me and, and everybody I love. Absolutely. And very well put. Ryan, this has been really great. I want to ask one more question, which is 
if, for those solopreneurs, maybe they're not even solopreneurs yet, right? Maybe there's someone listening, they're a nine to five, they're not happy, they want to get into solopreneurship, or maybe they're in solopreneurship, things are going okay, or maybe not yeah. so okay. What are one or two pieces of advice you would want to leave those, those listeners or, or viewers with? Definitely. So, um, and I'll, it's, I'll say it's similar to my routine, but it really changed my life. And actually it comes from Napoleon Hill. So I'm going to give you a little bit of Ryan Stanley, a little bit of Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you, I won't get on the depths of Napoleon Hill, but feel free to look, at, look him up. Wrote a book called Think and Grow Rich back in the 20s. Um, certainly changed my life uh, when I read it in my teens. So first of all, decide who you want to be. Make some time. And I don't mean like, oh, I want to be a fireman. Not that there's anyone wrong being a fireman at all. But I'm saying, well, if, if you mm-hmm. do want to be a fireman, it's not just be I want to be a fireman. I want to be a fireman. I want to work for this firehouse. And I want to make this amount of money a year. And I want to live in, you know, with it. I want to have this type of relationship with my partner. I want whatever it's like, get clear on what you want your actual life to look like in every aspect, mm-hmm. physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. You're allowed to choose what you want your life to look like and don't get caught up for all the reasons it won't happen or the, well, it'll never happen because of this, or that will take too much time. Like you're automatically, it's, it's amazing how, when I speak to so many clients and I ask them to start this, this prospect, or I'm sorry, this process, how instead of giving me the answers of who they want to be, they start telling me all the reasons they can't be who they want to be, right? Hmm. You're kind of ingrained to do that naturally. And so disregard any of those thoughts and just really as if it didn't matter, it's miracle day. You could be whoever you want to be, write it down out loud. And it may take two minutes and I hope it doesn't spend no less than 10 minutes, but up to three hours if you want to. This is the most important document of your life. This is your North Star document. Write it down. Once you've got it down, spend time creating gratitude for two things. One, the outcome itself. Be grateful for everything on that page as if it already happened, right? Two, your ability to make that outcome occur. Your ability to walk, to breathe, to exist, to to eat and to have food and to have a heart that beats and to communicate and all these different things that will enable you to have that outcome because other people have had outcomes like it. So so it's certainly possible. The other thing I'll just remind everybody when they're thinking about this this task, um, everybody wants something different. We feel like everybody wants exactly what we want, but they don't. Everybody wants something completely different. There may be similarities, but everybody has had a unique journey and wants their own stuff. So be you and want what you want. And don't worry about who has it instead of you. Just worry about what you want. That's your job. Get what you want. Now you've created a list. You've written it down. You've created gratitude for it. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, say it out loud. Read it out loud. I mean, I have my memorized. But if you do this out loud with gratitude for the outcome and you start imagining yourself in this position, you are, again, planting seeds for your subconscious to now listen for different opportunities throughout the day because you know where you want to be, right? You, in some capacity, you're reminding yourself. Let go of that any of this has to happen within the next week, month, year, two years, five years, 10 years. If it took 10 years, but you read this every single day, and because of that, you got what you wanted in 10 years to have the perfect life that you could ever have, would it be worth it? The answer is absolutely yes, right? Because this is the life that I, I as an individual, want. Mm-hmm. Then... Along those points, take action towards it every day. It can be the smallest action in the world, but say, what did I do towards my list? What did I do towards my North Star today? You can also use that North Star as a space if you're having a challenge with what decision you should make in life. If you say, well, does this lead me towards my North Star document? Is this behavior, if you're trying to quit something and you're like, well, I don't know, I kind of, you rationalize why you, you should be able to do it, whether it be smoke cigarettes or just be eating healthy or something like that. You can say, well, is this leading me towards, the, towards who I want to be? If the answer is no, it's an easy, easy switch. Lastly, so you're taking action towards it every day. Lastly, I would just say, while you're doing all this, be the light you want to see in the world. 
as often as possible. So you're showing up on purpose for you, but you're also showing up as you want to, you, as you want to see the world, as you want the world to feel. And when you step into your greatness in a way that serves others as much as it serves you, you inspire and empower others to do the same. And so therefore you are inspiring them and they are being the best version of themselves and they are inspiring others to do the same. And it becomes this wave of awesomeness that we can really create in our own lives. Uh, and really, and that's how you have a global impact. Awesome. Ryan, that's a perfect note to end on. Great, great answer. Uh, Thanks, I expected no, nothing less. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit more about if, if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about you, where can they find you, socials? Uh, remind yeah. us as well about the book and where, where people can find it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really, Josh, again, thank you for the opportunity. I genuinely appreciate it. Um, so again, my name is Ryan Stanley. So if, just if you go to ryanstanley.com, that's R-Y-A-N-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y.com. First of all, all my contact information, all my socials will be there. There's plenty of buttons on the page uh, that you could actually purchase my book, which again is called Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful, a first aid kit for the emotional bumps, scrapes, and bruises of life. There'll be a, a button on the page that says Be Patient, Be Present, Be Joyful. If you just click on that, uh, you can buy the book there. If you do, you'll get a, a signed copy from me. Uh, and, and depending on my availability, you could also get a complimentary coaching session. But if you're already on Amazon often and you've got the cart pretty much open 24 hours a day, feel free. It's on there as well. So feel free just to um, you know, check search for it there um the other thing that i will say listen i mean this has been a weird year for a lot of people not everybody's feels like spending extra money but if, if what i've said today has touched you in some capacity or you feel like you, you want to learn more you're excited about the book but aren't interested in spending the cash especially during covid i have it set up to where you can get a you can download a free copy of my book a down a free ebook at ryanstanley.com free dash ebook and that'll be a pdf um, and then quickly, if, you know, for solopreneurs out there, especially if you're coaches or if you're what I would call a service oriented solopreneur or an SOS, right? Your coach, consultant, fitness trainer, even in, in direct sales and you work with maybe uh, something skin creams or even, um, you know, essential oils that you feel are you're, you're, you're in this business because you want to peel, have other people be have their life be better. Uh, but you're afraid of sales, right? You, you got in this business to serve others. You want to help others. But all of a sudden, somebody asks you how much you charge and you freak out or you want to give it to them for free or you want to give it to a half off and that's not how you're building your business. I have a company called Teach Me to Sell. And so it's teachmetosell.com. And I have a partner in there. His name is Kirk Van Linden. He spent a decade training people in the financial industry to sell hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. I am the, the headmaster of mindset for the school. So between the two of us, it's like a really super awesome combination. And so you, you get everything that you actually need for the left brain sales skills. But then you also work with me as a one-on-one -on -one, um, mindfulness mindset coach. So awesome. check out teachmesell.com or ryanstanley.com. Awesome. And we'll have links to all that in the description, whether you're watching this, listening to this, or any other format. Ryan, thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Josh, I appreciate your awesomeness and I hope to connect again soon. Hey everyone, Josh here checking in just one last time to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. I also wanted to say if you want even more of this business insight and motivation right to your inbox Monday through Friday, make sure to sign up for the Solopreneur Grind email list. What I did was I started a list to give solopreneurs a super quick email every Monday through Friday into your inbox. That's all it is, one quick quote to motivate you and help you get through the day because I know how tiring and long and difficult and stressful some of those solopreneur grinds can be. So if you're interested, sign up at the link in the description or solopreneurgrind.com and I hope to have you on the list. Thanks again. Take care.